Hi, I'm Anjibo, Creative Director at Phoenix Lab. I'm happy to join the Tomorrow with Rovio podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tomorrow with Rovio podcast. I'm your host, Ben Mattis. When thinking about guests and thinking about how to explore the future of entertainment, uh, obviously, there's some people that I want to talk to who are just super focused subject matter experts, thought leaders in a very particular area. But I also find it interesting to talk with people who've just done a lot of stuff, who've been in the career, of, in you know, had their career in entertainment and been working professionally for quite a few years and who have done a variety of different things and so who have a perspective on where the industry is going that is sort of born from experience. And my guest today uh, is someone I've known for a long time. Uh, her name is Angie Bo. I've worked with her as an animator, as a manager, as a producer. She's run businesses. Uh, she's been a founder and a president of her own gaming company. She's been a writer. Um, she's now a creative director. She's really sort of run the gamut of almost every major sort of domain inside of gaming. I don't think she programs, but you know, other than that. And I found this conversation really interesting because it gave me a lot of insight about how all of that experience is channeled and funneled when thinking about trends and when thinking about where the industry is going and when thinking about where the industry needs to go. So consider this a sort of general purpose exploration of the past, present and future of someone who's been in the gaming space for a very, very long time. Um, Angie Bo is, is, is a pleasure to talk to. Uh, I hope you enjoy uh, the interview. Thank you very much. Hi, Anne. <laughs> Hi, Ben. How's it going? I'm doing great. <laughs> yeah? Other than busy? all the technical challenges, I'm doing great. <laughs> um, uh, so you're one of the first guests, I think we've maybe the third guest so far where we've, we've tried to do this with video as well. So, uh, obviously there have been various technical challenges. You're also, uh, a guest who, uh, I've known for a really long time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I did an episode a few weeks ago with Kim Pallister, who, who I also have known for a long time. And he and I did this on video and I thought it was fun for him to describe how we know each other. And I'll offer you the same. Would you like to open with why you and I know each other and there's this air of familiarity? Or, or would you like me to do it? The choice is yours. I can do it and then you can pile up if okay, I forget some important points and stuff so, like yes. that. So, yeah. uh, well, I know you. Actually, the first time I saw you, maybe you don't remember that, but you were at the head of uh, Gameloft Montreal at that time on the mm -hmm. fourth floor at the PEC building, yep. the, the, yes. that big Ubisoft. The big uh, Ubisoft mon mothership. Yeah, exactly. So uh, Gameloft was there, and I remember I had a friend that I, I've been to a video and, uh, video game uh, classes uh, mm -hmm. with, and he was working at uh, at Gameloft, and I was like, I, and I remember all those cell phones on the table, and th this was in uh, early two thousand four, so with there was no iPhone and stuff like that, so it, it was flip, and flip phones, phones yeah. and stuff like that. The Nokia. <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, and I remember that he was telling, yeah, we have to test, you know, because it's not the same system on all those yeah. things. And, we have to, and it's like, oh, my God, that seems so complicated. I don't want to be working on that. <laughs> and I was actually working on, I was a 3D animator working yeah. on Prince of Persia yeah. at that time. And after that, if I recall collect, uh, correctly, we worked together on the Prince of Persia, the 2008 Yep. One and this is the 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 first uh, true collaboration that yep. we had uh, yep. together. You were the producer yep. on that project. I didn't even finish up that project because I was transferred to being a trade director of animation at that time, and Yann Eric took my place. That's right uh, on the team. Um, and then after we worked together also on uh, Legends. That's right. It's a code name. It's a a sci-fi that never saw the day at Ubisoft with lots of promises, but, you know, it happens. You know, yep. uh, it's hard New to IP find that. Hard. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it. It's really hard to find that core gameplay that really works. And, uh, like, the, it was a technical breakthrough. It, it was, was amazing. It was yeah. amazing. But then what to do with it? I think that was the remaining question for the, you know. Maybe one day we should ask Ubisoft if they'll let us do a, a, a Legends retrospective and we could just talk about the process <laughs> of what it was, what it wasn't, what it could have been. We can get Michael McIntyre and Thomas Delbuguet on the, on the line and we can all do a... Hey, you know what? Actually, when I was back at Ubisoft in uh, 2019, uh, I, I saw Dan Desjardins, you know, the 3D oh, yeah. <laughs> animator, and he was on, on, on Legend, and he showed me he had all the, that footage and all the, the tests and all the recordings from uh, Legends, and he showed me that, and I was like, oh, oh, it's still relevant. That would be amazing. <laughs> I'd love to see that someday. <laughs> yes. But I mean, so you just talked about how you were a 3D animator, then you were an animation lead. Uh, you've worked as a, a craft lead, which yeah. not every not every company has, but Ubisoft obviously is large enough that it needs stuff like that. You've also been a producer, you've been a co-founder, you've been a designer, a writer, now a creative director. So, I mean, I, I don't know a lot of people who have done as many different things in the space of gaming as you and the the question i have here is like what have you been chasing because clearly there's something that is very common across all of it for you which is gaming and the love of gaming and yet you've been doing a lot of different things so is there something you've been looking for or are you kind of just literally trying to have done one of everything in games before you retire? No, 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 no. <laughs> Actually, you know, when I was studying uh, design and animation for a video game in, in early 2000s, uh, I saw a post, a job post from Ubisoft and it was asking to, for a creative director position. Mm -hmm. And I didn't exactly know, but reading the description, it was obvious for me that, okay, this is the thing I, I want to do uh, in life. Uh, but then it, it, I'm there now, but it took like almost 20 years uh, to get there. It's been mm -hmm. a, a long road. I think that I'm, I consider myself more creative than uh, being a manager, but I think okay. it's it's one of the things also in the industry regarding women, and I don't have any particular data regarding this. It's only from 
what I see and what yeah, I feel and talking with yeah. people. Uh, very often in large studio like Ubisoft, I think within smaller companies, I think it's different, but in large studios like this, um, women are put in management role uh, way more than in directing roles. Okay. And I think it's a little sad. I think it's, it's, it's the image of a, of a director that, uh, that we kind of need to change of mm -hmm. what is it that we need to have a good director? Is it really like uh, someone that, you know, is able to talk loud and uh, inspire in one certain way? I think there's many ways to inspire people and inspire team, but I think that it goes with the with the general profile of a lot of women that they're mm -hmm. maybe a little more organized. I don't like to go in and generalize about about sexes, but there there are some trends. Often women seems to be more organized. I consider myself to be totally unorganized, <laughs> but <funny>. I do <laughs> organize myself because I know I'm chaotic. It's yeah. ca it's chaos in my head, so I need to organize myself. And I think this is why my my second job at Ubisoft they put me in a in a management role, and I, I I've been an animator only one year, and then they put me being a lead huh. animator. And I find it's weird because this is what I reflect to other people, but inside I feel that I'm not organized. But when I look at it in perspective, and I, I remember on that first Prince of Persia, I was a junior animator, but at the end of the production, I was in charge of a, a little cell of animators with a programmer and a game designer. And, and, and we had to make, you know, those Excel sheet yeah. lists of what kind of animation we have to do and how do we break that movement and God, stuff like that. I remember like those Excel sheets. <laughs> yes, but, I, I, but it's true. I used to love it. So I guess I do have that kind of organization, but I think that a lot of women that I know at Ubisoft came from a deaf point of view, being okay. a, an artist or a programmer or whatever, but they were put more into managing position easier than uh, in Directing. a per creative okay. uh, position. So I think it actually when I, I founded my uh, co-founded my studio, um, I, I I was a bit. Uh, I don't know, not not bitter because uh, I didn't feel that way, but I, I felt that it was the only solution for me to be in a real creative role is to okay. find my own company okay. and find my write my own IP actually, which is a little sad. I mean, I mean that is sad, and I'd I'd love to. Well, basically, I'd love to let you just talk as much as you want about that challenge of a sort of being a woman in gaming, clearly not something I know anything about. Um, uh, but I, I was wondering, the way I thought the conversation could go is I, I, again, because you've done so many different things, the angle that I thought would be really interesting is that when you say, this is how hard it is to be a woman in gaming, the interview has taken us there through, and I've done this and I've done big and I've done small and I've done management and I've done creative and I've done like, and so when I say, when I and say, it's hard to be a woman in gaming, this is not just, I read it on Twitter. This is, I've lived this. So I was wondering in, to, in getting there in getting to that point, do you want to talk about like Ubisoft, big behemoth, and some of the things that it does well and some of the things that it, you know, struggles yep. with. And I guess your, your startup 
tiny little agile, nimble, some of its things that it does well in its challenges. And now kind of Phoenix, like somewhere in between, do you want to talk about sort of like how the things that you've learned just in general, the things that you liked and didn't like in general about those different types of organizations in terms of sizes and, and structure that you've, you've worked in? Yeah, sure. But first I just want to be clear on something. I think that the gaming industry or any industry, it's hard for everybody. I yep. think making a video game is, is, hard. is really, it's something big. Yes. It's huge. To start a game and finish it and ship it, just this, successful or not, it's something really hard for women, when, men, whatever. I think it's the, the opportunities are not the same for men and women. I think okay. this is the main difference. I don't think it's harder for one gender or the other, but I think the opportunities are different and we just should pay attention to that. Uh, to go back to your question about, I really, really loved Ubisoft uh, the time I was there. It's, it was when I, I joined, it was in early 2004, like I said, and I think we were around 700. At mm-hmm. that time, I think now <laughs> tiny they're like Ubisoft. Yes, tiny little Ubisoft. It was only like two floors at the back, uh, and now I think they're like thirty-eight or thirty-nine hundred or something yeah. like that. So it's 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 huge. And I was back about a year ago at, at Ubisoft in two thousand nineteen. So uh, and I I saw the difference. Uh, the things I really liked about huge companies like this is that there's always someone somewhere within the company that knows something that you don't and has an expertise that you cannot find easily on the market and that everybody can help you. So so if you're a curious people person and you want to know more, well, Ubisoft is such a great place to be because if you're you're, uh, not living in your little space and you open up and you start talking to people, not only on your production, but in the company-wide, you can learn a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I like that. And I like the, uh, the services that yeah. we had at, yep. at Ubisoft. It's like the, 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 the legal department, the music department, the mocap department, the, the, tools, the HR, the, the tools, the, the techno yeah. group, everything, the online group, everything is, uh, is there. I mean, so you really have, you, you really can focus on what you have to do and is to make a game, you know, so uh, all all the rest, you have a lot of support. But that comes also with a a more negative side that it's... uh it's the bureaucracy, you know, it's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it, it can take, there's a lot of departments. So if you yeah. need to do something, it's just you as a person cannot really do it. You know, you mm-hmm. have to talk to another department and then it has to enter into their schedule and planning and stuff like that. And everybody has to agree that this is the thing to do, you know. So sometimes it's a little bit frustrating and it could be just on on notes if if you're going to invite an actor at uh, lunch, on lunchtime then just the process to 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 get a reimbursement could be uh, could could take a long time you know it could be a burden yep. so it's just those yep. little things that at the end it's like are we really focusing on the good thing you know and it's uh, you can you can mm-hmm. lose a little bit uh, some uh, some time on, on things that are not really directly um in the game and then what about the complete opposite when you when you left ub and then started your own company well it's the total opposite you have to do everything <laughs> <laughs> everything 
you have to become an accountant, uh, the janitor, uh, the HR. You have to be <laughs> like everything. So it's uh, it's amazing. It's it's a fun challenge actually, and I like varied tasks. So th- th- this was perfect actually. Uh, but the thing is that there's a lot of things that you don't know and it takes a lot of time mm-hmm. and it's not really what's going to really pay at the end That's right. in your game. So it, I, when I build my teams, I really like uh, the people to focus on what they're best at, you know, and it's like, well, this is where the company is investing and, you know, it's you and, and your, your talent and your craft. And this is what you should be doing most of your time. If you're starting to do like other things that are not, that you're not really good at, mm-hmm. or you don't have a lot of experience, well, it's, the, the trade is not, is not that good. So that's the downsides of a, of a, a small company. You end up yep. doing a lot of things that I don't know how to do that. And then in perspective, like five years after, and it's like, Okay, it was not that complicated, but you have to dig and search and you lose so much time in learning new trades, actually. None of which, as you said, pay the bills and yet they have to be done or the lights don't stay on. Yes, that's it. And the mid-size, for now, the mid-size companies, it's like the sweet spot. There's the structure that is there. So you get help from whatever department. You need it, and you can focus on what you're paid to do, actually. Mm-hmm. So you can do it, but you you get to know everybody by their uh, first mm-hmm. name and you know right. how many kids they have and, yeah. and stuff like that. And and for me, this is like the main... I remember when I, I entered the industry, the project was you worked on was the most important thing. You know, mm-hmm. oh, I'm working on this project, but... Yes. Now with people, like everybody's getting, not everybody, but a lot of people that I know are getting older. Getting older, having kids. Yeah, exactly. Having kids. And now Sometimes the most... having grandkids. <laughs> oh, shit, yes. But okay, not, 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 for, not for a few years for me, but in, in right, a few okay. years, it'll yeah. happen for sure. And um, actually, it's uh, it now getting older, the most important thing is to work with people who yeah. you're working with and how, and yeah. after it's the project. It's yeah. still Culture really important. Culture first, project second. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's, that's, yeah. Uh, that's really important, actually. Mm. So mm. the good mid-sized point. thing is, is good because on, on massive production, like uh, four or 500, I still I, I, I interview a lot of people who are building the studio in Montreal. So I interview a lot of people, and a lot have been to Warner Brothers or, or uh, Ubisoft and whatnot. And some people like, oh, yeah, we were on the same project on Far Cry, but we don't remember each other. It's like, <laughs> geez. <laughs> yeah. That's sad. Yeah, I think those... it's a little sad, you know. It's the same, it same project, and... We never talk to each other. It's, uh, it's, yeah, I agree. No, I, I like to, to get to know everybody. And so on the subject of people and the, the value of well, working with good people, um, I, I, maybe this is an interesting question. Maybe it's not. If it's not, we'll, we'll strike it from the, yeah. the, the overall interview. But did you yourself ever have, I mean, I use the word mentor. It, you know, it doesn't actually have to be that sort of typical mentor mentor. Yeah. relationship but someone who you really looked up to you really learned a lot from you felt like they had a sort of like outsized 
like overall contribution to who you are today, you know, Angie Bo, the creative director of Phoenix Labs Montreal? Like, is there someone you had in your career that you really felt was um, important in helping you get there? Yes, I think there are several actually. Some some lasts a long time, some Mm -hmm. less, but the impact can be as strong. Uh, But the one person that hits my head uh, right away is uh, Catherine Roy. Okay, uh, she was at. She was a producer on. I met her on uh, King Kong, mm-hmm. uh, the game of the movie, and then after at the trade direction at mm-hmm. uh, at Ubisoft uh, Montreal. And uh, well, first I consider Catherine to be really very intelligent. She understands complex problems and situations. Um, but the most important thing is that she had no. Uh, private agenda uh she she just you know it's we have the things to do and we believe this is the right thing to do for the company and for the people so this is what we're going to focus on and Mm -hmm. let's forget the rest the internal uh little wars and battles and stuff like that and the politics and everything and of course there is politics everywhere all the time of course but uh she was putting this aside all the time, saying like, uh, okay, but I'm not interested into that. Okay, mm-hmm. now what do we do with this? And what's mm-hmm. the best thing for the, the trade right. or whatever the problem was, you know? And it, it was uh, really inspiring yeah. to work with her. That's wonderful. And certainly the ability to put ego aside and focus on what really matters. Um, not everyone can do that. And even those of us who like to say that we can probably sometimes don't. <laughs> yeah. So someone who, someone who can deliver that consistently, that's, that's fantastic. Yes. Um, and I, I, do you happen to know where she is now? It kind of ties into my next question. She's uh, Catherine, where yeah. she is now? Yeah, she's uh, VP at uh, MDF. It's okay. uh, B2B. Uh, okay. 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 Uh, so, so she's sort of out of games then. Yes. Um, our Too loss. bad. Yeah. Well, uh, then it only sort of ties into my next question, which okay. is, um, <laughs> uh, well, in the year since Rovio Montreal has announced that it's opening here, uh, and, and Phoenix and, and whatnot, I count, uh, at least 10, if not 13. I, I last time I, checked i think there was 13 new studios that had announced uh, uh you know an office here in montreal since last may all in gaming and i'm wondering as someone who's been working in games now in montreal for a long time and has seen a lot of bus yeah. times and boom times and companies come and companies go and that kind of thing what do you feel about uh the current um trajectory of growth inside montreal in particular as a as a as a gaming hub is it a good thing is it sustainable do you have any things that make you a little concerned just in general what are your thoughts about all of the action going on right now i think it's it's a positive thing i think it is sustainable we have now university that has adapted when I was in school, it was a one-year program. It was, uh, and it wasn't really. There was a certificate uh, mm-hmm. given, but it was not part of like a, a college uh, uh, diploma or or anything like that. And now we, you can see 
there are a bunch of it, you know, even in, in programming, I don't Absolutely. think at that time it was programming for video games. It was just the, the, the programming thing. Uh, so uh, I think that now we can bag it off on the long term. And uh, I actually uh, teach at the NAD Center that is now part of Université du Québec à Chicoutimi. And they mm -hmm. have the animation and design uh, program. And I see, I call them the kids because I feel very old when I talk to them. But <laughs> I see the kids that their knowledge is like so much more than, than the knowledge about video games that I had at, at yeah. that time. It was such a new industry it was yeah. new trades we were inventing roles as we were making games and we mm -hmm. still are i think so uh, uh and for me it's it's really important the balance of uh, seniority and and uh, having the some juniors uh, within the group not only to to think about the future but we do need those fresh eyes about uh, the industry we're uh, working in. So I think that there's that, uh, that, uh, that relève, I don't know what's the, the, the word in English, la relève, the, the newcomers that will, yeah. you know, eventually. Next wave, uh, yeah, the, the next yeah. wave, you know, we will retire one day mm -hmm. or not. Uh, but uh, then <laughs> who's going to be there? Well, I, I think we have, uh, we'll have more and more people uh, raising their hands and being interested in the, okay. in, in the industry in Montreal. Great. And I actually have a whole section here about trends, so we'll we'll jump into that yep. in a in a second. And I think your point about you know the students and the kind of younger generation mm -hmm. as as really sometimes having their finger on the pulse of trends is a really good one. But before we get to that, I I I, I want to ask about um, your kids, right? So you've yep. got children, as do I, and uh, again, many many developers these days do, right? Because yeah. we are. <laughs> Some of us getting older a little bit. Um, do your own kids have any interest in making games? Do you in have making, any interest in them making games? I would like them to make games, and I'm trying to to make them interested, but they're like, Meh, no, they're not, not at all. My my son is playing a lot, like mm -hmm. a lot. But when it's time to say, do you want to know how we make games, and I can show you stuff and whatnot, and it's like, no, I just want to play them, you know. Right. <laughs> right. For now, he's he's twelve. He just mm -hmm. he's turning twelve this, this week. So, uh, and my my daughter, uh, she's playing Sims. Mm -hmm. She's playing Animal Crossing. Mm -hmm. Who isn't? Uh, who isn't? Uh, we are still playing sometimes uh, Raymond Legends uh, because okay. it's a co-op game. So it's really fun to, yeah. to play together. Um, she's not playing so much of that. She played like. Almost all teenagers last year among us, but she's not of playing course. anymore at all. Yeah. So uh, she's not really into it. Uh, I think that she's not passionate about it so much to okay. to think about it as a as a future and as a trade. So, but we'll see later. Like she's fifteen, and yeah, we'll see what's happening. Yeah. She she wants to study in science, so we'll see where that leads. Yeah, that's great. And okay, so but it. it uh, um, if they did have an interest, you would support it. That's great because a hundred percent. And yeah, I, well, I don't you know, get why some... they don't. I don't. I don't. I don't get honestly why they don't. <laughs> I mean, you know, you can you games. can imagine there might be the 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 occasional developer who you know once they know how the sausage is made, they're like, oh my god, I don't want my you know oh, too much crunch and oh no, free to play mechanisms are poison. They're poisoning our youth. I know how they do it. I don't want my kids associated with that. You could imagine that there might be some people who once they 
got deep into the process of making games might decide, no, you know what I'm in, but I don't want my family in. But the fact uh, that no, you because, would like yeah. your kids to make games, I think is really interesting and, and certainly a, a value that I share. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I always saw video games like being three things. It's an entertainment as a whole, yeah. but it's there's a, a, a art part. Yes. There's a software part. And there's that fun entertainment business part and, mm -hmm. and you have to to make a whole all of this and i always put emphasis on the on the art side uh towards uh towards my kids and and mm -hmm. to most people actually because it's uh, i don't know why people like to critic video games so much like non-gamers and people mm -hmm. from that don't really play video games they It's rare that they say, like, well, I don't really care. But very often I hear that, ah, I don't like video games. It's like, yeah. oh, it's like you say you don't like movies. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm sure that there are some kind of movies that you would like. I mean, if you don't like action movies, I get it. If you like Swedish movies, I get that too. But you cannot put all the movies in one big basket saying, like, all movies are bad. For me, mm -hmm. it's the same for video games, and I'm I'm I, I was trying for a while to to get the kids. You know, my 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 daughter, like I said, is is pretty good and interested in science, but she's also a very good artist. Like she she draws beautifully, and she she's really good. You know, and it's like you can create beautiful things in in video games. It's just not an entertainment product. It could be a piece yes, of right. art. You know, there are yeah. video games that are really they're beautiful. Mm -hmm. They're poem. They're really personal, also, and now. <laughs> okay then <laughs> so uh, have you <laughs> have you got her to play child of light no i should you should i should it's true you should i should yeah um okay let's talk about trends um yeah before we get into the specifics of like how you learn about trends and that kind of stuff i thought it would be fun to have you talk a, a little bit about um uh, mechanics or, or or gaming trends that really kind of caught your attention over your whole career. It doesn't have to be recently. It can be whenever. So, you know, I know my mechanics. Like, I know the game I wish I had made. It's, it's been the same game my whole career, right? I always wish... What is it? I, I always wished I had been on that original Guitar Hero. Like, that just feels to me like it was such an important moment in time. It was mass market. It bridged the gap between... Uh, you know, music and games mechanically, yeah. it was brilliant. That's always been my like. I wish I had been involved in that. So I'm, I'm wondering, do you have one? Do you have either a game or a mechanic that your whole career you really wished you had been part of? Uh, one game that blew me away when I discovered it the first time was Portal. Okay. So uh, I guess that would oh my god! If one day I create something like so fresh. So simple yeah. in the same way because now we know it and it's like, well, it's yes. you know, portals are simple. But <laughs> the, the, the first time when when I saw it, it was like, oh my god, this is like the best invention on the planet, you know. And I was yeah. uh, crazy about that. Uh, there was also the narrative inside the game that was yeah, uh, that was great. Everything about that game was like so good. So this would have been like, wow, what an achievement! Another one that actually it's a game I worked on at at the time of Ubisoft right after uh, Legends. Actually, mm -hmm. I worked on a Just Dance game, and mm -hmm. I think that this is uh, again a, a, a truly really nice invention. A little bit yeah. like Guitar Hero. It, yeah, it's yeah. To, to to be able to to mix dance 
with a video game, it's an achievement. It's it's Absolutely. something really nice. And I think it's one of the best production I've worked on also. Oh, it was really great. short. We were doing actually the Xbox 360 uh, version. Mm -hmm. Uh, before Just Dance uh, 3, it was only on the on the Wii, and starting with the Just Dance uh, 3, we ported it on the on the Kinect. It was a, a nice challenge, but it was a very dense period of uh, okay. of time. But the thing is that when you enter each morning in the studio and on the floor on the Just Dance floor, you see like probably half the team standing up dancing. and having to try <laughs> and dancing, and that you know that that shy programmer that usually don't talk so much and he's there and he's dancing and he's laughing because he knows he probably is a bit ridiculous but it's it's part of the game you know uh, everybody was smiling all day long on that, oh, on that production so uh, I think that the the product you work on does have an impact on the Absolutely. morale and the attitude yep. of everybody uh, on the floor so uh, so for that reason Just Dance uh, okay. has that special place in my heart and I think that the, the creation the invention of the, the that gameplay mechanic of having actually just it's kind of a, a mirror actually mm -hmm, you see, mm -hmm. and you really feel like it the first time i tried just dance we were in a room in the in ubisoft and there was a big tv on the wall it was uh shut down we were looking at uh, another tv and then at one point we were dancing and we were having fun and what you watch on the screen you rapidly become to believe that it's you and Absolutely. that you dance like this. And then we tur I turned around, I did a move, I turned around and I see my reflection in TV and I, and I saw I, how bad of a dancer I was. And I was like, <laughs> oh man, oh, okay, it's tricking me for real. I yeah. really get the impression that I'm dancing yeah. like dancer on screen. For, but for years, uh, my kids, I would just turn on a Just Dance YouTube video. There yeah. was no camera. They were just dancing to the YouTube video. It they, it was like they were seven or eight before they clued into the <laughs> fact that that wasn't them dancing. They're going like this, yes. and the person on the camera is you know doing whatever yeah. their moves are, and they thought, oh yeah, look, I'm perfect. And they're flopping their arms all over. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um. So uh, okay. So uh, I think that's a great answer for a specific mechanic or game. Yeah. Now, I guess, I, and, and this is going to get to the question about trends, but so when I talk about a trend inside gaming, like what, what I mean is something like, I don't know, like free to play, like yep. so something big and broad that then became a staple across many, many, many games, open world, free to play, competitive online uh, you know, deception maybe inside of a gaming or duplicity. Like those are kinds of like what I, examples of what I mean as a, as a, as a trend. And obviously some free to play are bigger than others, yeah. you know, duplicity. Are there any trends that uh, you wish you had gotten in on earlier, you know, or, 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 or that you, uh, yeah, cool. that you would, you would wish you'd participated in yeah. the trend, not the specific mechanic. Yeah. Uh, online co-op. Okay. Yeah, I wish uh, I wish I would start uh, my own studio uh, now <laughs> to okay. do that type of game because I think it, it's doable. Like I'm a big uh, fan of uh, Phasmophobia. Yes. Uh, I play it several times a week uh, still, and I think that the pandemic helped mm -hmm. in that way. That I, I, I'm a social person, and I used to go to some bars and uh, happy hours uh, after work at least twice a week. You know, to Absolutely, talk with, yeah. with friends and stuff like that. And I, I miss that. But, so, Phasmophobia gave us 
the perfect opportunity actually to put on Discord, to put the, the webcam, to have a glass of wine at night and play that game. It's about like 10, 15 minutes each session, each game. So we can play like four or five games in one night and have fun together. And it's not competitive. So mm -hmm. uh, we can take our time and we can take it easy and just, you know, talk for a while and say like, okay, we'll go in the house after. Let's pick up some instruments and and uh, let's grab the inventory and, and go inside. But then we can talk. Oh, how is your day? And uh, right. you know, how's the kid? And blah, blah, blah. So it's like the tension is there. I think that the realization globally of that game seems to be really bad. It's only one guy. I'm so impressed mm -hmm. because it's only one guy that did that game. Uh, he's from uh, England and he, he did that adventure solo. And I'm amazed by that because the it's, it's simple mechanics. but it's every game session is different because of the ingredients that absolutely he put in uh, in in our hands and uh, i think it's it's brilliant and this is the we don't have to have millions and millions and millions of dollars often to to have a good idea again i don't think that phasmophobia uh, i think he sold between uh, five and ten millions. It's approximate numbers, but this is what Steam is, Steam Spy is telling me that he sold. Not bad for one dude. One, not bad for one dude. So uh, you know, it's it's getting on that or the um, the case of uh, behavior with uh, Dead by Daylight mm. with uh, asymmetrical PvP. I think it's it's also brilliant. I, I think they, they they mastered it. And their success is, 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 is great. I'm so happy for them because yeah. I know they've been looking for, uh, to have you know, that their own game, their own, their own, IP, own yeah. IP for a long time. And th there's been wet uh, before that that it didn't reach that success. So I think that those co-op uh, games, but they're not easy to do. You know, I'm, I'm mm -hmm. playing a few and, uh, and it's not all of them are successful and uh, the, the yeah. balancing of the game the ex the overall experience is it's hard to reach actually a, a good experience in, in co-op okay well no but I, th I think that's great so yeah like online cooperative um and community community games right where that social experience is 50% or more of the overall fun factor. I think yeah. absolutely the pandemic has like, poof, like driven a stake in yes. that as like super duper important. And I, I think, uh, I think they're, I mean, they've been here for a long time, but I think yeah. the pandemic has really cemented them. And I think they will become incredibly important moving forward games designed around the social meta in a very, very strong way. I, I very much agree with you there. Um, yes, and it's the same, even if it's not, well, you can play in, in co-op, but it's always a PvP. Uh, my my son is, is playing uh, Fortnite a lot, a lot, yes, a lot. Yeah. And, and in the pandemic, like when the, the schools were shut down, I would give him almost unlimited hours to Absolutely. play because it was the only moment yep. during the day that he could talk to his friends, you know, and exchange yep. and have that, that social thing that is so important to, uh, to all yep. humans. So yep. uh, even if it's not pure co-op, uh, just having the online experience and be able to invite your friends and being part of the same experience. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice trend. And one thing that's really interesting is the safe space, right? Like when we grew up playing, you know, the Counter-Strike or whatever, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Team Fortress, we used to play Team Fortress, right? Team Fortress 2 yeah. all the time at lunches on yeah. Legends. Yeah. Well, the match starts, three, two, one, go, and you're in danger. 
right? Right yep. off the bat, you're in danger. So you better be on the ball. There's not a lot of opportunity to just sit back and drink your wine in game, right? Sure, you can turn around and say, hey, Anne, good kill or yeah. whatever. But to be in game and, and just kind of drink your wine doesn't yeah. really work. Whereas I think what's one of the brilliant things that Fortnite has done is whether it be in creative mode or, you know, whatever yeah. party party rally or whatever, there is that sort of safe hub where you can just be yeah. a jerk. You can just fool around with your yes. friends and be silly. And then three, two, one, go actually have the gameplay experience. And th that to me feels like a really important trend where we have these online spaces that then launch the games and, and yes. we can be together in these online yes. spaces. Yeah. Um, okay. So then last point about trends and then we'll move on to, um, well, the next subject. So you were talking earlier about the mix between, uh, seniors and juniors yeah. and the next generation and how they have, you know, whatever. A new perspective. Do you have any other tricks to stay abreast of trends? Like you're a creative director, like yep. theoretically you should play all the games and you should watch <laughs> all the movies and read yes. all the books <laughs> of and all the comics and all the magazines <laughs> and all the websites and all the tweets. Like that would be ideal, right? Is if you could literally just funnel everything and have perfect visibility. Uh, of course that's not possible. Yep. So how do you stay abreast? How do you kind of funnel what information matters to you so that you can choose what to, uh, you know, read a summary on versus what you actually play versus, you know, whatever, all of the different techniques and tactics that you might have to, uh, consume yeah. this media and this content? Well, well, first of all, I'm not trying to know everything. Like I said, I, and like you said, we should know everything, but meh. <laughs> 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 Yeah, forget Can't it. Do it. So it, it's more on on focusing some type of games. I I I don't really play MMORPGs. I, I don't mm -hmm. play them, and for me, it's a big. It would be like a, a big ramp up to 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 say like I'm gonna become an expert into that. I've never played those games, and I'm I'm not playing those games. So I could do it because I I'm sure I'd be interested if I dig into it just a little bit, and then I, I would discover some, something big. But the thing is that I, I prefer to focus on things that I already know a little mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. try to know more about mm -hmm. those topics. So, uh, yes, I do have that, you know, that Google News that filters for me the, the, the latest game trends and stuff, news, actually more than trends, game news uh, and stuff like that. And it's being in contact with other people and never being scared of saying, like, I don't know that. Mm. And I, I don't know more things that I know things, you know. Right. So it's 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 obvious, and I I think that everybody has a different knowledge about everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, being in contact and have open discussions very often, and I I I put places on that. Like every morning at nine thirty, we meet. Like if we were at the office, although it's on Zoom. But every every day at 9.30, it was like this at IDOS. I would do the same thing. Every morning, the entire team is there and we can talk about whatever. It's like when you arrive at the office, mm -hmm. at the studio, and you, you go to the coffee machine and then you just chat with people and, oh, what did you play yesterday? Or what movie did you watch? Or whatever. It's just that small talk that opens up in the in the broader uh, conversation and more specific conversation. So So for me... I think it's impossible to cover 100% of the, the trends in the space market. But then, again, it's, it's focusing 
not to know everything at 100%, but to get mm -hmm. better at certain things and be yeah. almost an expert at certain things and level up on all the other things. You know, I was mentioning uh, MMORPGs and I, I, I don't know that, that space and I don't know the, 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 the really deep core mechanics of, of uh, those games. But this is something that for me, it's on, the, it's on my checklist. Uh, okay. for the next year to get Something to know to learn about. more. <laughs> yeah, not becoming an expert. Like, I don't aim at that at all. But, you know, uh, just enhance my uh, knowledge about that, Great. actually. Cool. Okay. Yeah, I know. Uh, I'm really anxious to see what uh, Raph Coster, so he was the design lead on a bunch of MMOs. I did play a bunch of MMOs growing up, so I played Ultima Online and yep. Shadowbane and EverQuest and that kind of stuff. And he worked on a bunch of those games, Star Wars Galaxies, that kind of thing. And he's starting a new uh, cloud MMO company called Playable Worlds. And oh. I'm, I'm very curious to see what they're doing. I'll they're, that. Yeah, their manifesto is very interesting. And yeah, take a look okay. at that one. Yes, yeah. I will. Okay, um, so we touched upon this at the beginning. Um, the, the question of sort of, um, uh, I guess like professional diversity, women in gaming yep. and the, the challenges of, of opportunity, as you yep. put it, uh, again, I don't, I, I am as privileged as it gets when it comes to my career in gaming. I'm a middle-class white, straight male. I've very rarely been, um, uh, subject to any sort of problems or harassment or anything yep. along those lines, or even glass ceilings and that sort of stuff. So yeah. really, I, I mostly want to just give a platform and probably won't ask a ton of questions because I probably don't have the right questions. But I, I did have one for you, which is that, did you ever feel like you wanted to leave gaming? Like, was it ever too much for you where you're like, oh God, this is just, this is, this is wrong. I've got to get out and, and try and do something else. Oh Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. When I left Ubisoft in 2015 and after I was at uh, Red Barrels for almost a year and after that I, I quit for about six months and I was on sabbatical. But I, mm -hmm. at that time I wanted to just go away from the, the gaming industry. Uh, I felt I didn't fit in anymore, but I think okay. that uh, it's, it's really not unique to me or unique to my gender. I think that a lot of people, when they're hitting be between 40 and 50, everybody's asking themselves, like, ah, oh, you know what, I think I'm too old for that, and I think I'm, <laughs> I'm just going to switch, you know, do something else. So uh, I think it, almost 100% of the people that I know are, are thinking this at one point. Uh, okay. And I think... Uh, there's multiple reasons. I think it's there's like brand fatigue. A lot of people that I mm -hmm. know are from Ubisoft Montreal, and I think that working on more or less the same titles over and over again, it's kind of ah, I want to do something else, and I would like to have a more personal title to work on and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. I think that it's more a question of I'm tired of the politics. I'm tired of the business itself, and it's complex. And I think that I would like to take it easy for a while yep. but most people i know are coming back in yeah. the industry because we're passionate and, and actually i realized that when i i quit ubisoft the first time in 2014 i haven't played video games really uh for the, the last like two three years mm -hmm. and when i quit and in my mind i was quitting the video game industry in 2015 i started playing again 
And you and like again, rediscover and again, it. And yeah. I, uh, I rediscovered it and I, I discovered the indie scene, which mm-hmm. I wasn't that much aware when I was at, yeah. uh, in, in big studios because you, you work on like those big titles and it's like, this is what you look at and, you know, this is your your uh, your uh, business uh, mm-hmm. place placement. So this is what you're looking uh, at most of the time. So I, I really discovered the indie scene and I was like, oh, no. Okay, I remember why I came into the, the video game industry. It's because I mm-hmm. really like that product. I really like uh, the interaction we get with with an art piece, you know. So mm-hmm. uh, so it, it bring me back into creating my own studio and and, and start on the, my own stuff. Uh, but yes, to answer your question, yes, I did uh, thought of, uh, <laughs> of leaving. And it's so it's funny. Like usually when people talk about diversity in gaming my perception is that there's usually, there's probably two, maybe three camps. There's race, sex, maybe sexual orientation. Those are probably the three main camps that people think about when they think about diversity. But of course there's age, right? And, and of course, ageism can go either, can go both ways. There can be the, okay, young grasshopper, you just, you just sit there and do what you're told, which can be super frustrating for these young brilliant up-and-comers with all these great ideas just looking for their chance to break through and make a difference and then of course there's the opposite as well where it's like okay grandpa like you go and play super mario brothers and like us kids who actually know what's going on we'll make the next big thing and that can be super frustrating as well yeah um so across the board when it comes to diversity across all of those and others that I might be yeah. missing. Do you think we're getting better as an industry? Is the industry getting more diverse and better at working with diverse groups of collaborators or not? Right now, I so, don't think so. Right okay. now, I think that the numbers aren't changing. Um, they're changing in like big, big companies where you have communication department and HR department and stuff oh, like that. But in dev, I think the numbers aren't really changing. Maybe just a few percentage for the past 20 years, which is it's not that good. But I think we're talking about it way more than we used to. Okay. And um, so I think it is going to change. And I think um, I do it one by one. Uh, you know, like uh, we talked a little earlier, Ben, and when you posted the first time uh, uh, your your first hires for the Rovio Studio in Montreal, and and I say congrats, uh, that's cool. I'm so happy for you, you know, and blah blah. But privately, I sent you a message saying, "Hey, take care because you're going to be too many one gender in mm-hmm. your studio, and after that, it's going to be harder to to make uh, a woman enter the circle because it's never mm-hmm. fun to be the the one, one person, the one alone." So and it, it it could be comfortable. Some women don't don't care, but I know that you know if you're like thirty five person and you're all white man, it's mm-hmm. it it might be a little more uncomfortable to be the first woman or the sure. first black person or whatever. And uh, and you said I I know, but it's I don't have resume. You know, like I I've posted the the, the jobs mm-hmm. and whatnot, and you know nobody's applying and. And I get that it takes, and this is the time that I am personally taking. Like I'm not, I'm not the kind of person that will like manifest out loud. And 
I was about to say do concrete things, but I think that's the thing that I do are really concrete. Mm -hmm. but I'm mm -hmm. not. I'm not uh, really going into so much panels about the You're diversity. You're not standing on a soapbox. Yeah, that's it. But what I do is I take time. If when we have to hire uh, people, especially in leadership roles, it's like I said at, at Ubisoft Montreal. I think that I've I've known only two directors that were women mm -hmm. amongst uh, so many teams. And I, I still wonder why uh, the gap is, is so wide and is so big. And uh, I happened to, to learn, and it, it started at, uh, at IDOS, and now it's the same at uh, Phoenix Lab. It happens to be that when I poke people, because I know that if I pose that I want a programming director or artistic director or animation director, I know that most resumes that I'll get will be, will be men. Mm-hmm. But what I have to do is to go and knock on doors and say like, hey, you know what? You've been in the industry in that role, assistant director or lead for a few years. And I would like you to be a director now on my team. And most women are like, oh, are you crazy? I've never done that. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm the, I'm the right person. And it's, it's, it's. They're so scared of failure, you know? It's mm -hmm. not that insane, like, oh, yeah, I want more, and I'm going to prove them that I'm, you know, I'm good at it, and wow, that's a nice challenge. It's like, oh, my God, no, I'm scared, you know? And it's like, of course you're scared. I'm scared, too, but let's be scared together, so we're going to be less scared mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. about what's going to happen. And, you know, when making a game, it's, it's a team thing, you know? It's, it's not a, a solo thing. We're part of a, a team, so nobody fails alone. It's impossible. There's, you know... the, the if something is not working out and you have to cancel again, whatever the problem is on your project, it's never a one-person thing. Yeah. It's always a team thing. So it's it's building that confidence, and and it takes time because you have to get to know those persons. Because some person that I poke, I don't personally know them. They were referred to me. So it's taking the time to really get to know what is it that you want to do. Oh, I don't want to be a director ever. Oh, no, why not? What's the things that you, you think you don't like about being a director? And then it's, it's taking the time to understand this and what they see about being a director and what it is to be a director and what can we do to support you in this. It, but it takes time and energy. And I get mm -hmm. that it's not the, the, the first thing on the agenda of, uh, of everybody. I, I, I do get that. But for me, if I can leave something in the industry, in the Montreal uh, uh, land about video game, is, is this, you know, I want to take that time. And I mm -hmm. want to, to, to say to the younger generation that, yeah, everybody can do it. I can do it. I'm not perfect. I don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. You know, and... Uh, it's like, no, I don't know everything, and I'm, I, I, I don't consider myself like the most uh, complete person on, on the planet for, to, to make video games, not at all. But it's people, Andre and people from Phoenix Lab had enough confidence in me saying, like, we believe you can do this. For me, it's enough to say, like, okay, I should consider it then. Right. And then it doesn't put all the, the scare away because... Uh, uh, I think that most people I know have the imposter uh, syndrome, and and so do I. Uh, but it's good because I'm questioning myself all the time, and I'm really open about it with my teams. Mm -hmm. And then when you just scratch a little, you see that everybody's a little scared. You know, it's like oh, <laughs> well, we're all pretty much just making this up as we go along. Right? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So it's it's just to. 
And this is not the image that we often has. Like in a lot of teams, uh, the directors were like, ah, oh, they look so sure of themselves, you know, and rarely they were like, Mm, I don't know. I've never done this before. I don't know if it's the right thing. Oh, I feel bad, but I have to make a decision. So what am I going to do? And he's right, but she's right too. And it's all this, you know, going in the, in the yeah. brains of everybody. But very often in teams, you don't want directors that look weak or weak. not <laughs> sure because, you know, the, the, yeah. the project has to have a clear direction because a, an unclear direction is, is, is really not fun for an entire mm-hmm. team. It's okay in conception, but when you started to grow in, in, uh, in pre-prod and in prod, it has to be like the vision has to be quite solid, but it's how to build that confidence. Because when we make a game, and you know that on every game we work on, we want to make the best game, best game ever. possible, <laughs> ever. But it doesn't happen all the time. There's a lot of, of, of games that were okay, but not yep. that good and didn't sell that much. And it's we're only ever all one learning. best game ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's a rare thing. And, and people have to, to know this, yep. that this is what's spinning in everybody's head, you know, even the most confident person is always full of doubt and are we doing this because it's new things we're doing in every game there's new things we're learning and and we have to make them prototype them test them and see if it works or not because designing on paper and then having actually on the screen after there's always like a big learning into that in that loop so it's just to take confidence that the ideas you have the vision you make you establish for the game is this it's a vision. It's how to communicate that vision to people so they can grab it. And it's incredible how many versions of that vision you can get. And yeah. it's, it's, it's part of the communication, you know, like I say something, you understand something else, and then you will act differently on, uh, on what I say. But uh, again, for me, it's the process and it's to gain confidence into that process. So uh, again, it takes time. Well, hopefully in the same way that Catherine Roy was a sort of mentor to you, you're in this position now where, again, hopefully what you're able to do is bring up women into director roles, whether it be at Phoenix Labs or whatever is in the future. Um, because I, I think it, it's, I think you, you nailed it. The industry hasn't changed enough, but at least we're talking enough about, we're talking a lot about it. And if people like you, turn and hopefully me and everyone listening to this, turn those words into actions and take the time and give the right opportunities and then mentor those people who maybe didn't necessarily have the confidence to apply for the job in the first place. Yes. There's some great things that can happen. Yes, I wish. Um, Any closing statements? I've really enjoyed this conversation. It went to places that I was expecting. It went to places that I wasn't expecting. Um, anything that you thought we were going to maybe dive into or that you'd want to touch upon that we didn't get a chance to drill into? Mm. No, the only thing I want to bounce back on that trends that we were talking about. And when I said like co-op, I see more and more, uh, games that where the first action is not to shoot someone else in the face. And I love this and they're still exciting, engaging, uh, fun, complex, deep, intelligent 
I love that. I love that that there's a there's a place on the market for that, and there are some companies working focusing on that and have those values at core. Uh, I think that shooting is one of the easiest mechanism, and it's there way longer before video games, like throwing arrows or whatever. It, it, it's it, it's fun, you know, and it's it's a yep. thing that it's humans have been doing. Burned into our DNA. <laughs> it is, it is. I get that, but there is also something else, and I'm I'm pretty curious about what AI will bring also into all the mm-hmm. uh, all the language uh, methods. Uh, now, some uh, AI can write entire articles on on mm-hmm. certain topics, and I think it's amazing. Like, I want to see the Sims plus plus with that, you know, where I can really see personal stories happening between the characters and absolutely just putting some personality into it some just some little threads but then after that they they get to live their lives and i i can play god a little but they do have their own story and it's mm-hmm. they're living alone i i think like i i see video game in the future like uh again i think we just see a a small part of it of what yeah. it will become we need to get Peter Molyneux back into the industry with a huge budget yes. and tons of AI people and have <laughs> yes. him make a, a yes. new goddess. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I agree. Uh, all right. Um, all right. Well, Anne, thank you so much. We're hitting the hour mark, which is yep. a, a, a strong sign that we should wrap up here. Um, again, lovely to catch up with you. All the best uh, for you and, uh, you know, Phoenix Labs and the team yeah. there. I'm super anxious to see what you guys are doing and yes. uh, thank you so much for being on the Thanks, podcast. Thanks, and I wish you all the same with uh, Rovio Montreal, uh, Ben, and all the best to your team and you. All right. Thanks, Anne. Thanks. Bye. Bye. And that's a wrap for yet another episode of the Tomorrow with Rovio podcast. As always, I'm your host, Ben Mattis. Thank you very much to my guest today, Angie Bo, for joining us. If you enjoyed this style of interview where we don't necessarily dive into a specific theme, but rather cover the industry broadly, both in terms of where it's been, where it is and where it's going, please don't hesitate to let me know. Uh, There's lots and lots of guests that I can bring on who have very interesting sort of career stories that might be fun to explore. And of course, if you are someone who has a story that you would like to tell, by all means, let me know. I'd love to have you on the podcast. Regardless, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks as always for listening. Have a great day.